Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 201 with Sabri Subi of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. 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 The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Ghost, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. What up, my fellow founders? Hello and welcome to the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan, and I'm your host of the Founder Podcast and also the CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine. All right, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to share your earbuds with me. You're in for an absolute treat with today's episode. So today I'm speaking with a founder called Sabri Subi, and he's the founder of a company called King Kong, and they're one of the fastest growing marketing agencies in Australia. And I saw King Kong stuff around... For the past couple of years, and I've always been super, super impressed with what Sabri has been doing with King Kong. He is just an absolute weapon when it comes to building an agency and essentially getting clients. So in this episode, he shares with you so much gold around how you can do that, how to do your marketing, you name it. But what I'm most even more excited about is... You guys are always telling us where you're struggling, where you need help, what do you want to learn more of, and I've been telling you guys this for a while. We're going really deep on the founder courses and premium content, and one of the top most voted things that you guys have requested is, you know, some of you guys that want to know how to start a business, um, one of the top things you guys have requested is how to launch a service-based, agency-based business or a consulting business or a freelancing business with the existing skills that you already have. So we have twisted Sabri's arm and it took me a while to convince him to do this, but uh, he's actually going to be teaching our Consulting Empire course where basically he's going to take you wherever you are, whether you've got an agency or a coaching business or a freelance business or you want to start one and you have some skills that you want to monetize, he teaches you everything you need to know to go from where you are to building a very, very successful client-based business. And uh, he's a master at this stuff. He's built his company from zero to 10 million in four years And I'm so excited to share this course with you guys because he is a serious, serious master at this stuff. And the cool part is, is he's built multiple agencies. He's done it multiple times, just like all of our teachers and instructors. 
He's a true practitioner, guys. And you're going to get to experience just a taste of how much just an amazing founder Sabri is in a second. But guys, if you want to know more about this course, because I know this is something you guys said that you wanted. I've gone out and we've found some of the best in the world at this stuff. And Sabri is here to serve you. So if you guys want to know how to find out more and when this course is going live, because it's going live soon, go to founder.com forward slash consulting. And you'll be able to get onto the early bird list. We'll be running, you know, a special promotion where we're opening it up at, you know, early bird discounts uh, just for you guys. So make sure that you get in on this early bird list. All right, guys. So if you are enjoying these episodes, please do take the time to leave us a review and please do share this with your friends and make sure you subscribe. All right, you're in for a treat. Salary shares so much gold with you. Now let's jump into the show. The first question I ask everyone that comes on is, uh, how did you get your job? My current gig? Yeah. Well, look, basically, I kind of got into entrepreneurship when I was, you know, 22 years old. Um, and that's kind of when I got my start and started up my first business. And since then, you know, I've started like run into the ground, sold um, and run a number of different businesses. So this isn't my first rodeo. But yeah, I kind of started King Kong, you know, just around four years ago right now, cold calling from from my bedroom. And that's kind of where, where it all started. But it's been a long, a long path, a lot longer than those four years in terms of just being in the trenches, learning how to do business, you know, through through trial and error. And that's kind of what's led me to, to be in the position that I am today. Yeah, man. Amazing. So, um, well, uh, what I've been kind of, uh, you know, following King Kong and, and your journey on the sideline for the past few years. Uh, you're based in, in Melbourne, Australia, just down the road from us. And uh, I've been quietly... Uh, just, just really, just, um, just amazed at like how fast you've grown King Kong and everything you're doing, and uh, we've got to know each other a little better now because we're working on like a really amazing project together on a on a course. And um, what I'm really excited to speak to you about is really understanding first of all your background and 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 where you've come from. So you said that um, you know King Kong wasn't your first rodeo. Can we just go back? I guess, to your first business where it all started when you were 22? Like, did you go, like, did you finish up at uni? What did you study? Um, yeah, I'm, sure. yeah, I'm just really curious, man. No problems. Well, look, I guess to, to, to kind of look where it, it all began for me, I got my start in sales when I was 17 um, years old. I grew up in a small beach town called Byron Bay um, from very kind of humble beginnings raised by, you know, a, a single parent mother um, and did, yeah, started, got my first kind of foray into the business world in sales. Um, and it was like a typical sales gig. We were in this, you know, old shipping container. There was 17 of us crammed into this thing. It was a full boiler room like the 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 hum of production was almost deafening in there and I did that I absolutely sucked in the beginning it was a really tough ride for the first you know two two to three weeks it was it was horrible it was kind of like a cold slap across the face into into the front lines of capitalism and I did that and then yeah I just kind of really started to hone my sales ability and, and really become a, a master salesperson and I, I got really successful in that role and became their their top salesperson and then traveled all around the world doing various sales jobs and basically was always, you know, the top salesperson at every company that I ever worked for. And that was when I kind of headed, headed back to Australia and decided like, look, what, what, what do I want to do? So I went to, to university and started to do a degree in, in, in business and marketing. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I was working for a company at the time and selling Google AdWords. It's like a part-time job to kind of fund my way through uni. Mm. And I, I never forget, I was on the call with a prospect and, you know, we were always selling Google AdWords. And then they said, oh, look, I want to get on the left-hand side of the page. Do you guys do that? And me being the ambitious salesperson was like, yeah, I can help you with that. Um, wrapped up that call, got off, went and spoke to the business owner and was like, <clears throat> look, I just told this person that we can, you know, get them on the left-hand side of the page. And I didn't even know what SEO was at that time. And he said, well, you better figure it out. So I did that. And I went and really went deep and researched SEO and, and, and basically started offering this SEO service within that business that I was working for. And it was kind of over a summer break at uni. And I said, like, look, I think I can do it a lot better than what this company is that I'm working for. How about I start my own gig? And I decided to do that over a summer break. I started cold calling to get new clients. 
And by the end of that summer break, you know, I had a really kind of sizable business on my hands and thought, look, why should I go back to university and learn how to do business when I've got a sizable business on my hands right now? And that was a, a digital agency. And I built that up to, you know, a team of like 16 people and a million dollars in revenue. Um, and I went on to kind of sell that business, which I did. Um, and then after that, I did a joint venture with the AFL football clubs, um, a few of the clubs. I did an e-commerce business um, and was really kind of, you know, trying a few different avenues and some went well. I had some good exits and, and some were failures and was really kind of about that time that, you know, the fundamental problem that I had to solve in all those businesses was how do I get new clients? Um, and that was like, you know, I had to look at hiring agencies and kind of other support networks to to help support the daily functions of that business. And there was this, when I went out to do that, there was just no one talking about return on investment or anyone talking about the real KPIs. They're all hiding behind these intangible vanity metrics. And that was when I said, look, I still think there's a, a really ripe opportunity in this digital space. And that's kind of what led me to, to starting King Kong. Yeah, gotcha. And Man, when when you were uh, starting King Kong, you were basically starting from scratch, right? Like that's something that um, I find quite interesting that we we spoke about over 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 an orange juice. Um, <laughs> like like what happened, man? Yeah, delicious orange juice. Um, no, but so yeah, basically, look in terms of, I guess at that time, you know, I, I had 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 a few exits. I'd recently gotten married, you know, funded that wedding all by myself. Um, poured a bunch of money into to a few different startups, and basically led me to the point where I was at ground zero again, um, and. I had to basically start that business from completely from scratch. Do you know what I mean? L using those fundamental principles that I always learn. And, and that was really just picking up the telephone and, and going out there and hunting for business. So, you know, I made the, <clears throat> made the decision to, to really go out there and do that and pick up the calls. And I started making a hundred cold calls a day. Um, you know, I, I funded $50 into my VoIP account. I was using a computer um, that, that my girlfriend, now my wife had bought me at the time. And I really just started dialing. And, you know, within the first couple of days, I had my first few clients and I just basically parlayed all of that work and essentially, you know, built a business where we're at right now, where we've got, you know, 42 team members, we'll turn around, turn over around $10 million in revenue this year. And, you know, that was all funded just off sweat equity. There was no venture capital, no business loans, no rich uncles. There was no safety net. It was just, you know, going for it all out, held to leather. Yeah, well, amazing. And, and like, yeah, like um, I've seen how fast you guys are growing. And one thing I really respect as well is is your guys' ability to market King Kong. Like you guys are everywhere. Like, you know, if I check out your website, you guys, you know, following me everywhere with, with your, you know, retargeting. But no, everything that you guys are doing is at such a really, really high quality level. Um, you know, I, I really respect like everything you guys are doing. So one thing um, that kind of brings me to the next piece is, is like how have you grown King Kong so fast? Like what what has been the underlying pieces to or components that has allowed you to do that? Yeah, well, really, I think, you know, what, what it comes down to is, you know, when I was starting out in digital marketing, I went through the typical paths of what everybody did. You know, you go out and buy all the courses, you read all the blog posts and listen to all the gurus and go to the seminars. And I kind of did all that stuff and it left me being broke, right? And then that was kind of when I just started to put all of that stuff to bed and really just went back to the stuff that I had learned in the trenches and actually making cold calls. You know, I worked out the other day that I've made over a million cold calls in my career and you learn a lot. <laughs> wow about human psychology and what makes people buy and what doesn't when by spending so much laborious time in the trenches and speaking to people firsthand. And that was when I had kind of my breakthrough and I just decided to really apply that salesmanship that I had learned in one-to-one -one selling to, you know, one-to-many selling. And, you know, I was kind of in a position where I had been cold calling, got a few clients, had enough money in the bank to really start to deploy that and start marketing. And I really had that quantum shift when I was really, you know, used the same principles in one-to-one -one selling where I was calling on a hundred people a day to applying that salesmanship in ads that would go call on a hundred thousand people in a day. Um, and that was the, really that leverage point that's kind of allowed me to kind of take to King Kong and just really level up and scale this puppy. Yeah. Gotcha. And 
When it comes to uh, direct response marketing, that's something that I know that has been very, very incremental uh, that you, you know, deploy within growing clients' businesses, but then also King Kong itself. When did you get exposed to to direct response? And, and would you say that that is one of the key components that uh, is, I guess, a secret source? Yeah, like in terms of like direct response marketing, without a doubt, is, you know, a huge, huge leverage point. And I think what really happened with me was, you know, I my path was, as I said, kind of, you know, listening to all like the, the latest loophole tactics and shiny objects, so to speak, that you kind of see everywhere in the internet marketing community, um, and then trialing all that stuff and, and none of it working to, to then going back to my roots as a salesman. And then when I started doing that, I started to think, look, surely, like when I started having those breakthroughs, I was like, surely I'm not the only one that's gone through this path. And that was when I started to kind of, I fell down the rabbit hole of direct response by studying people like, you know, Eugene Schwartz and Robert Collier. And then I found out that all these guys that, you know, are kind of the godfathers of direct response marketing had all started doing kind of, you know, door-to-door selling or one-to-one selling. Um, And that was when I really started to kind of look back over the last 100, 150 years at the greatest marketing minds to ever live and start to see like, where are they getting their influences? People like David Ogilvie, you know, he's constantly references Eugene Schwartz and Robert Collier. And I kind of went in and really dived into that and, and started to kind of see that, you know, down this path that I had gone down, that many people had traveled there before. And there was lots of learnings that I could also find, you know, from from tests that they had run and really kind of applied that. And it was really about, you know, once it went from just me, you know, cold calling from my bedroom, and I kind of got to that point where I was like, okay, you know, there's only so many people that I can call on in a day, right? There's only so many hours in a day. How do I get leverage? And that mm. was when I was like, okay, let me, this is working. My model is working. What I'm doing day to day is working. Let me find out a way to kind of can and clone myself and ultimately multiply subree and create like a little army of salespeople that would go out there and do this automatic kind of selling system. And that is, is really kind of been a leverage point for us. And that's kind of, you know, the key ingredients to what has allowed us to grow so fast. Yeah, gotcha. And when it comes to direct response, um, just for, for, for the audience that don't know what that is, are you able to explain and, and um, yeah, just give a quick breakdown? Yeah, sure. Look, direct response marketing is any marketing message that you are putting out that elicits you getting a response from the prospect, right? So you've pretty much got direct response marketing, which is asking someone to click here, do this, make a sale, book in a call, whatever that desired action is. And then you've kind of got the cutesy advertising and the branding marketing where it's just like you see these big billion dollar companies that are advertising and then it's just like they just end with their slogan and no call to action. So direct response marketing, you know, it really started in kind of catalogs and doing, you know, physical printout, direct mail and things like that. And it's kind of translated into the online environment. And in a nutshell, it's just any piece of marketing that you put out in front of your audience to elicit a response from them. Yeah, gotcha. And when it comes to, I guess, pairing, uh, you know, really great direct response copywriting with great design, that's something I think you guys are doing a really, really good job at. So it doesn't feel because, you know, you see like some of the, a lot of internet marketers or, you know, brand, or there's not really any brands that, that do really, really good, you know, not many anyways, that do really good direct response copywriting. And if they, if, if there is a company that does, it's really internet markets, really like stodgy kind of old long form sales letter with a blank white page, no great design. It just, you know, I'm talking about, right. That's one thing that I think you guys do really, really well is it doesn't feel like, it's just like copy that that's like you speak into that person, but it's, it's on, and it's on an emotional level, but it's just, it feels like you're speaking to that person just like an everyday person. Like you, you, that, that you, your copy really understands that person and, and it doesn't feel internet marketing. I think that's where I'm getting. And I, I think you guys do a really, really good job at that. Like are, are you – did you have a background in design or anything? Yeah, look, I've always been, you know, a bit into design and I know that, you know, design is really becoming like a competitive advantage in businesses. If you look at Silicon Valley, you look at all these high growth startups, like, you know, they understand 
the role that design plays in in in, in all of that. So I think that what we've really tried to do is kind of have a hybrid between, you know, that kind of old school long form sales letters and partner that with polished design, because you're right. You know what I mean? Like those, like a lot of, don't get me wrong, like a lot of just plain black text on white paper, long form sales copy, it, it does work, right? And it does work, especially if you're not trying to build like a brand, so to speak. And, and you're just going for that direct response, call to action, get that sale then and there. Um, but for a lot of people, you know, a lot of that, they, they see that and their spam detector just goes through the roof and they won't even consume the copy that's on that landing page because they arrive on this, you know, long form landing pages with yellow buttons and red circles around them and arrows pointing everywhere. And it just kind of, you know, elicits this response in themselves where they're like, oh, yuck, like that's a spammy sales letter kind of thing. So, you know, the number one rule in direct response copy is to get people to read the copy. It doesn't matter how good it is if no one's going to read it in the first place. So, you know, what we've tried to do and, and, you know, what I feel that we do better than anybody else in the world really out there in partnering direct response with, with high polished design is having that combination of both where the page actually looks good and you're like, you know, you see it and it looks credible immediately and then you'll actually go on to consume the copy and read that sales message and that's where all the magic happens. Yeah, I agree. I think you guys are really, really good at that. So, um, there's a few things I noticed and it's cool. Cause like we're, there's, I'm learning stuff here. Like I know we've been starting to get it to know each other. Cause, um, one thing that our audience wanted to know was how to build and, and grow uh, a consulting business or a freelance or agency or con- a coaching business. So we're, we're working on a next level course together. So we've, you know, in the past few months got to know each other, you know, pretty well, but there's things that I'm asking you that I'm, I'm just naturally curious around that I haven't asked you. So this is fun for me, but, um, like what, there was a few things I noticed when I uh, walked into your office, which you might find interesting. So uh, when I come when I come and visit you guys down the road, so and I just got some notes here, and I'd just love you to kind of just comment on them. Like uh, like one thing I noticed when I when I first came in into your particular office is you have uh, you have framed um, these kind of most people would just think of them as news articles, but but these are these are like ads that are responsible that are like uh, a very significant in i guess your life why yeah, look, I think that for me, with the the, the artwork and the, the frames that you're commenting that I have in my personal office, is that you know I'm always trying to surround myself with you know positive reinforcements and 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 things that show me that that it's all possible. So you know, as I look around my offices now and I see you know there's kind of three ads on on the wall that are responsible for for generating millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, and it kind of just always hammers home to me that you really are like just you know one offer one sales funnel or one great ad away from really having a breakthrough um and 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 to let you know that like you know when you're in the trenches and you're day-to-day and you're doing all this stuff is that when i kind of pull my head up and and have a look around is to know that like you know everything that you're doing all the stuff that you're trying to pushing and scratching and shoving for to achieve in your life that that it's all possible and and generally you know i'm a huge kind of you know advocate of advertising and paid advertising and turning advertising into profit and I do believe that that is truly like the greatest skill that anyone can acquire and by having these pictures on my wall I understand that you know whatever that next level that I'm trying to get to I'm only one offer or one ad away from really having that breakthrough yeah amazing um, another thing I noticed as well which kind of got me by surprise is when we were chatting all of a sudden out of nowhere uh, people uh, started smashing this gong <laughs> the famous gong, yeah. Can you tell us about about that? Is that okay to talk about that? Yeah, yeah, we we, yeah, we can definitely talk about that. Yeah, yeah, because I thought that was very, very interesting, man. Like, um, so yeah, you stood up and you started clapping, and and all these people in the in the team started smashing this gong. Yeah, so we've got we've got this massive ancient gong that sits right out the front of my office, and you know our our, our office is sprawling over kind of two floors, all open plan. And we, yeah, whenever we get a new client, we we just ring that gong, man. It's 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 a big gong. It goes. You can hear that thing even outside. Other businesses hear it, and everyone in the team we get up and clap and we celebrate that. And that's really something that I've had all along the way. Like you know, from my first client, my wife bought me like this. 
pin board that I used to put up in my bedroom and I every single client that I got, I, I, I'd put a little card with a number one or the two or the three on there and we used to take a little moment just to celebrate that and be like, hey, that's awesome. We got another client. And, and that's something that I think is really important. Do you know what I mean? And not mm. like just not letting those small little wins ever get old. So that's something that I really always just want to stop and celebrate with everyone. It's a victory and it, it, it's really, you know, that's, that's kind of what we're all in it for, right? To get new clients and change people's lives and really help them. So yeah, we've got that big gong and all the sales team come and come and ring it and you're not allowed to ring it unless you have a sale. Otherwise, it brings bad juju into the jungle. <laughs> so um, that, that's kind of that celebration. And one thing that you probably didn't see here is we've also got this other bell. And a bell, it's like, so we've got the gong that we ring when we get a new client. And then we've got the bell that we ring when a new client gets their first lead or their first sale. Um, so everyone can kind of get involved in it, both the salespeople and the specialists. Yeah, that's amazing, man. And um, another thing uh, that, that uh, you said to me, and this was it was which was I thought quite fascinating was you said to me that um, you you don't really you you take the information that you put into your brain very very seriously and what I mean by that is like you know we were talking about you know let's say a Tony Robbins or or you know people that uh, you know might invoke influence or maybe some people that are on the front covers of Founder Magazine like you or we've interviewed for the podcast like you you said like you know you make it a point to really, really study that person before you consume anything of theirs. Like you're very, very deliberate with the content you're consuming. Can you just kind of elaborate on that? Because I thought that was a really uh, interesting point that you made. Yeah, sure. So I think that, you know, when there's so much stuff going on in your life and there's so many demands that you really need to kind of do an audit. And, you know, I think the successful people are really the people, it's not what they choose to focus on, but rather also what they choose not to focus on. So either I'm not going to be focusing on, on my business and I'm going to be reading a book or, you know, watching a documentary or whatever it might be, I'm going to be investing a substantial amount of time in, in listening to an audio book or reading a book, you know, and I'm reading it on on a certain topic, I want to make sure that that person is the real deal, right? I always look to kind of go back to the origin source of where that information is kind of coming from because there's so, you know, like a, a guru is pretty much just an expert from out of town, right? And mm. yeah, there's a lot of people out there with the internet, the barriers to entry have just brought down so low that anybody out there can have a voice and, and kind of put out content. So I always do that order and I have a look at, okay, I'm reading this book on this author, are they actually walking the walk, right? Are they doing all the things that they're talking about? You know, what is their life like? Is there is their personal life in shambles? Or like, what, what does it actually look like? Does it all check out? And I really do an audit on that person really before kind of going, yeah, cool, this person's the real deal. Let me kind of read this information because, you know, ideas are really great and you can always just get one idea that can kind of give you a break breakthrough. But also having a bad idea and getting misinformation is like a, a mind virus that can kind of go in and erode any other stuff that you've worked so hard to kind of build and can kind of plant seeds, you know, in your mind from other things. And while you might not be conscious of it, like, you know, and you know, a, a sign of an educated mind is someone that can kind of entertain an idea without accepting it. However, there's also the element to it where when you put those ideas in your mind, they kind of play with your subconscious. So I look at it as like, I always want to do that audit. I always want to make sure that the information that I'm taking in is legit and it's from a legitimate source of somewhere that someone that's in the trenches and done this work and isn't just talking about it. And that's kind of the way that I go about it with anybody that I'm going to really study. Yeah, gotcha. And when it comes to like uh, the direct response piece and copy, like who who have you studied? Do you have any recommended resources if people want to get better at their copy? Um, you know, like what what have what what are you maybe your top three for people if they want to get started on that kind of stuff? Yeah, definitely. You you need to basically check out Eugene Schwartz breakthrough advertising. You know, you want to check out Robert Collier's letter book. That's fantastic. That's you know over a hundred years old, and a lot of that stuff. When people hear about you know all these kind of old school books that I'm reading, they don't understand that. Yeah, look, the platforms have changed. Like these guys are talking about doing you know magalogs and direct mail and all of that kind of stuff. That's just the delivery me mechanism and the delivery vehicle for it. But human psychology hasn't changed. 
bench, and that's still the same. So, you know, they're the, they're two really good starting points, and from there you can check out like Gary Halbert and the GaryHalbertLetter.com is a great resource. Um, they're pretty much like the three that I would kind of recommend, you know, checking out as like you know they're, they're great places to start, and I'm sure they'll lead you down a rabbit hole. Yeah, and I know one thing that people say to get better at your copy is is to actually read like you know, rewrite in your own handwriting, um, actual, you know, letters or successful letters or, or successful, um, you know, uh, messages, um, that have, they've done really, really well. Do you recommend that? Like, or do you recommend just start testing or, or what? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think that like, that's definitely like, you know, it, it's a good idea and it's certainly something that, that I did earlier on. Um, and it's just good because, you know, when you write it down, you're kind of reading it, you're really understanding why they're doing it. Um, and I, I think that, you know, you really want to read as many successful sales letters as possible. And try to figure out, you know, you know, you'll start to see patterns in successful sales letters and see what's working and what's not. But ultimately, you also need to write, you know, that's how you get better. So like, you know, you need to, whether it's to your email list or whatever it might you, might be, you know, you're going to suck before you're great and you're going to need to, repetition is going to be key um, and just writing, reading a lot. And really that's the, the, the path that you want to go down. You know, you're going to need to dedicate a, a great amount of time and energy to kind of honing on that craft. And it's, it's something that I would highly suggest doing. It's something that's highly rewarding because it's not just in business. It's the way that you effectively, you know, sales is really having the ability to communicate effectively. So, you know, people might say, oh, I'm not a salesperson. Well, everybody's a salesperson. Do you know what I mean? If you're a manager in an organization, you're selling your ideas to your team. Or if you're in a relationship, you're selling that other partner on where to go for dinner that night or where to go on holiday or where to put your kids into school. Like everything that you do really day to day comes down to communication. And if you can really sharpen that skill, it will serve you in all areas of your life. Mm, yeah, I agree. So one thing that seems to come up and I don't know whether, or I'm really curious why, like when it comes to this direct response stuff, um, one thing that, you know, seems to be paired up quite well is, is, is your offer. Like that's a very key component um, when it comes to producing a great sales, um, I guess, you know, a, a, having a great sales um offer right and um that's one thing that i noticed um you know and you taught me was was around your your godfather strategy which we talk about in in this consulting course that we're putting together called consulting empire um can you talk to us about why you know the like why why is the offer pet like why why is that a thing yeah, look, ultimately, if you think about in, in, in a sale, right, what is the fundamental things that take place in a sale? Like it's, it's essentially the exchange of value for some, some, some type of currency. Um, so that's really what any marketing message is at the end of the day. It comes down to what is the offer? Like, okay, I'm going to give you X amount of dollars and I'm going to get X amount in return. So that is the offer. So basically, you know, really the offer is the tip of the spirit is the heart and soul of your marketing message. And that's just something that I see not even the best copywriters in the world get in, you know, I mean, the reason that I guess we've also just been able to enter into markets and just absolutely milk them and crush the competition and just beat the pants off these guys is purely because, <laughs> you know, a lot of them, they might go out and hire copywriters or whatever it might be, but not even some of the best copywriters in the world know how to come up with a killer a killer offer. So like what one thing that I've really found is that's the thing without a doubt more than anything else that you can do in any marketing message that moves the needle is the offer. So I developed this thing called the Godfather strategy, which is to basically create just an absolutely irresistible offer for that prospect where they would have to be a fool not to accept it at the end of the day. And, you know, what you find is with most businesses that they don't have irresistible offers. They have resistible offers. Like it's just this beige, vanilla, like shitty offer that really does has no cut through at all. So we try to, you know, for our clients and for our own business, create like these diamond tipped offers that just drip through markets and just leave nothing but sawdust. Um, and, and having something that really grabs that person by the jugular and makes them demand attention and being like, wow, that, that's a really irresistible thing. So I think that in, in most instances, people labor over their copy or their marketing message and adding like an extra feature or a new shiny little bell and whistle on it. But they don't really kind of take a moment to sit down and step back and think like, 
what would be an offer so incredible that I could offer to my marketplace that they would not be able to refuse it? Um, and I think that that's an area that, that a lot of businesses that really need to spend more time in looking at that. Mm. And do you think it comes down to bonuses as well? Like one thing, like what are your thoughts on bonuses? How many should you stack? And yeah, that side of things. Yeah, look, I, I think that looking at, I don't think there's a number. I think that looking at those like things is, is kind of trivial. I just think it's like ultimately you look at where a transaction takes place, you know, where value exceeds price. And so you need to essentially stack as much value as you have. So it just looks irresistible. So if that's three bonuses, if it's, you know, 10 bonuses, whatever it might be, you know, you, you need to essentially stack that value so high. So the that the money that you're asking for that value is a pittance of what that perceived value is in that person's mind. So bonuses are a great way to do it. You should always stack bonuses, you know, on your offers and freebies and things like that to kind of, you know, incentivize people to take on the offer. But if you still bring it back and pull it back and peel back that onion, you'll still come, you'll still come down to, okay, it's all about that value and then what they're getting for that. And as much as you can, you know, stack the odds in their favor and make the value so great that the price is, you know, irresistible, then you'll always win. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on guarantees? Like what, what's your guarantee for, yeah, what's your thoughts on guarantees? And, and can you talk us through your guarantee uh, for King Kong? Yeah, look, guarantees are very important. So you want to have a power guarantee, right? Something that really just turns the power on and gets the engine just revving at full tilt. And the way that you really do that is with the, having a guarantee, it kind of is reversing the risk for that end user. And the way that, you know, most people don't look at it is they already have a guarantee boiled and baked into their service offering or their product offering. And what I mean by that is in most kind of countries around the world, there are consumer laws to protect people around certain things. And, you know, the, the kind of question that we have when we work with our clients day to day is like they hear the guarantee, oh, I can't guarantee anything. And then we say, okay, cool. Well, what would happen if a client was to buy your product or service and then call you up and say, look, I'm just not happy with this thing. I didn't get the extra result. I'm not really happy with this. What would you do? And the typical answer is, I'd make it right. I'd keep working until it, it, they were happy. or you know, I would refund them the money if, if I couldn't, if it didn't do what it said it would do or whatever it might be, right? There, there's obviously always some kind of protection in there for that end user. So most businesses have a guarantee. They're just not advertising it and they're not mm. using it as a competitive advantage to to suck in clients into their business um, when they they do have that. They're just hiding it. So, you know, in terms of like when, when I entered into the digital marketing space, you know, this is probably one of the most hyper competitive marketing, one of the most hyper competitive industries on planet earth, right? The waters are bloody with competition. It's just the marketplace is drenched with blood of how competitive the space is. There's over, you know, like 1,400 agencies or something like that in Australia. And there's probably a hundred popping up every other day because the barriers to entry are so low. And one of the things that I found is that like, you know, a lot of people had been burnt by being with agencies in the past that kind of promised the earth and, and delivered the moon. And there was just a lot of kind of buyer resistance where mm. it doesn't matter like how good the offer was, that no one would just believe you. Do you know what I mean? Because they'd just been burnt so many times. And that was when we kind of created this industry kind of defining guarantee of that, like, you know, we don't get paid unless we deliver results. And that was something that is kind of, you know, in the whole sales conversation, when you're speaking with people, just allows you to kind of stick your neck out and have some skin in the game and have a partnership with them, where if we don't deliver on our KPIs, then we simply don't get paid. Um, and that's something that, you know, obviously allows us to kind of cross a lot of those hurdles and a lot of that skepticism that is kind of rampant in, in society today. Yeah, I love it, man. So even if you have, like, you don't have to have a services-based business. You could have a SaaS product. You could have an e-commerce, like, you know, uh, physical product where you can come up with a great guarantee or a better offer, right? 100%. At the end of the day, like, that, that is going to be, as I said, the tip of the spear of, of your marketing message. So, you know, if you've got, you know, a product or it's a, it's a SaaS product, you just want to have a look at, like, what are the what are the KPIs or what are the guarantees that you can really put in place to kind of reverse that risk for that person? And, you know, what people don't understand is that like 
that one thing, if you've got a product-based business and you've got like, you know, a, a double your money back guarantee, which is one that, you know, we, we've deployed for clients and kind of scares the death out of them when they hear the thing for the first time, they think I'm going to go bankrupt. But obviously those guarantees are going to be conditional as well. So, you know, you might have a, you might be offering, you know, a course, it might be like a, a course that you're selling online and your guarantee might be that, you know, we'll, we'll give you double your money back if, if this doesn't work for you. But what you do have to do in order to get that is you need to show us proof that you've gone out and you've gone and done all these things. And there's actually a, a you know, a, a famous case study with Entrepreneur Magazine and Gary Halbert, where he created a guarantee for them um, where their, their offer just wasn't working anymore and they that they, they kind of had they had a, a basic offer that was just like they'll return your money and they had a really really high there was like 50% of people were claiming that offer and, and wow. getting their money back and then you know he got a call from from them and was like can you help us with this can you help us improve this offer and he looked at it and everything was right in the offer and the ad and everything but he said, let's, let's roll out with a double your money back guarantee. And this guy was obviously like, you know, livid. He was so angry. He was like, are you, are you stupid? Like I've already told you that I'm getting like a 50% refund rate. Like I would be out of business in 30 days if I was offering people double their money back. Um, and they just put like, you know, a thing in there where, you know, in, in order to, to claim that double your money back guarantee, you had to prove that you'd gone out and registered a business, that you'd gone and got business cards made up and showed the actual proof that you'd actually tried to do what the course or what the product was selling. And, you know, refund rates went from 50% down to sub 10% um, and it doubled their sales. And that's, yeah, wow. that's the kind of difference between a guarantee. That's what, that's what they can do for you. Yeah. Amazing, man. So um, talk to me as well around, you know, why, like, I, I, I think this, uh, this is something I'm curious around, like, why should somebody, you know, if they if they have some skills um, or they're working their day job and, you know, let's say they're a graphic designer or, or they have skills, why should they, um, you know, start an, an agency or a consulting business or, or become a freelancer? Like why, why should they do that? Why did you choose to do that? You could have gone off to build like, you know, a physical products business. And you said you, you've done that. Like you built, I know you built, like you said, like you, you built like a SaaS product and yeah, why, why did you choose agency path? And, and yeah. Yeah, look, I think that if you if you kind of have a look at like the day and age that that we're in right now, and you look at kind of like the consulting industry is generally is just exploding. And I think the advantages really of a consultancy business or a freelance business or whatever, you know, a, a business that you are selling a fee for a service, um, you know, and the the beauty about that is you've got really high profit margins. You don't need a lot of kind of startup capital to kind of get in the game. You can essentially get started like I did with simply cold calling or doing LinkedIn outreach or cold email outreach or whatever it might be to kind of get new clients and to get people in the door, right? So I think that one of the advantages of it is that you do not need a whole bunch of startup capital. You can test, you can iterate very inexpensive. You're not going out there and getting molds done up and buying container loads of product and then having to stock that product in a warehouse and worry about fulfillment and returns and cost of goods and depreciation on those goods. And there's a lot of different things that, you know, can, can kind of get involved with that kind of physical product business um, where they don't kind of exist in the service-based consultancy model. And also it's a very simple model to be location independent. You know, a lot of people that are freelancing are working from all around the world, world in co-working spaces or by the beach or in the hotel rooms and having the ability to not be tied down to a physical premises um, is, is some of the great advantages of, of really having a consultancy business. And to, to kind of unpack that question a little bit more, like there's obviously two roads that you can really go down with, you know, a consultancy-based business, right? You can kind of just keep it where it's like, you know, it's yourself and you, you're kind of trading your time for money and you you're kind of being able to provide yourself with a great quality of life and be location independent and have really high product, uh, have really high margins, I should say, and really low overheads. Um, and that's one way that you can go. And it's an amazing lifestyle, what you can achieve for yourself. If you want to kind of get out of the nine to five and break the shackles off, so to speak, and you want to have that 
that kind of lifestyle. It's something that is definitely you know, easily attainable that you can do with, with a lot of hard work. And then there's the other model where it's like, if you want to build something that's much bigger than yourself and you kind of want to look for ways that you can get leverage and, and not be trading your kind of one-to-one time for money, that's when you're kind of looking at building like a, a, a bigger consultancy business or an empire and an agency, so to speak, where you can kind of create a model and you can have systems in place that you can bring people on and they can help you carry out the work and you can kind to build a business and impact a lot more people and that's the kind of path that that, that I've chosen to go and I'm not saying that's that's necessarily the right one it all comes down to what's right for you what is your why at the end of the day like why are you doing this stuff why are you getting out of bed and what kind of life do you really want to design for yourself and I think that's really the most fundamental question is look at that and look at you know what kind of desi- life do you want to design for yourself and then building a business around that that supports that yeah, yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. Amazing, man. So, um, look, we have to work towards wrapping up, but I'm just curious as well. Like, can you tell me, like, what have been the challenges? Because, like, obviously, you know, it's it, it's not easy, and and you know, you you're you you've busted your ass, man. And uh, you know, what has been some of your biggest challenges of scaling uh, King Kong at at the speed that it that it's grown? It's one of the fastest growing agencies in Australia. Uh, and you know, I, I'm just curious, like what have been your biggest challenges? Cause one thing I know f- from, you know, trying to develop founder is, is talent is very difficult in to, to, I think to, to find in Melbourne, but yeah, like, like what, what have been your biggest challenges, man? Yeah, I definitely think that, you know, talent comes down to comes down to a lot of it because if you're in a service-based business and you're building an agency then your product is your people um, so definitely like the talent component really goes into it and I guess when you're just getting started and you know I got started it was just myself you know in in, in my bedroom cold calling you know and then you know when you go and I obviously got my wife to come in and give me some help and then you know after a year kind of hired you know, got the first office and hired the first team members and things like that. Really, for me, I believe like, you know, getting that first team member is is very difficult because you're obviously selling the dream on like this big business that you're planning to build. And meanwhile, it's just like you and them sitting in an office um, and it's kind of, they need to really believe in you and buy into the vision. And then, you know, then you get two people and then three people. And then for me, I had lots of setbacks where, you know, the first couple of hires that I had didn't work out. And then you're all back to ground zero, right? It's just you alone. And you're like, oh shit, like I trained that person up and I put so much time and energy into this thing and and now they're gone and I need to start all over again. So the first hurdle was definitely hiring that kind of initial core base of, of people. And I'm fortunate that I've got just an amazing team of people that I love to come to work with, you know, every day. Um, and a lot of the guys have been with me since the very beginning. But then I think I think essentially getting to that first kind of, you know, 10 team members when there's more than like, you know, just like one person in each division and you've got like a little bit of a well-rounded team. So when some person leaves, there's another person there that knows what they were doing. And I don't have to kind of jump back into the trenches. A lot of that was happening in the beginning. Mm. Um, and and so I think that that's definitely there and finding talent. And I've taken a lot of bets on on green people, people that have really wanted to come and work with us um, and kind of train them up. And and, and they've been loyal and they're, 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 they're with us. And, and those bets have paid off um, because, yeah, definitely the model that I found is finding people from other agencies or people that kind of fit the bill that you think, so to speak, on paper, you know, when, when push comes to shove and you you get them in the role they say that you know they all talk a good game but they don't really know how to do it and they don't really operate at the level that we would require and the level of excellence that we would provide so you know there's there's there there those hurdles of finding people i also don't like to kind of play victim like if you speak to a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners the typical thing is always like oh yeah it's just impossible to find good people um and that for me is more of like a victim mentality so even though i went through periods where you know, I would think that I certainly, you know, will, will kind of quickly eradicate that from my mind and would know, know that, no, this is just a challenge, Subri. Like you need to just create a better system or a better f- recruitment funnel to get good people and then to have a system that trains these people and does get them up to speed. So, and that's something that, you know, we've kind of been working on very diligently over the years because we know as we scale our revenues, we need to scra- scale our team members. So, you know, we've got a whole recruitment funnel and like a learning management system 
system where we train our, our, our team members and take them to King Kong Academy to really get them up to par of where we need to be. But that's definitely been, you know, a big hurdle. The other thing is is kind of mindset. I'm a big believer that, you know, success is 80% mindset and 20% mechanics. Mm. And it's very easy to get bogged down in, in the details and in the kind of grunt work of your business and thinking about email autoresponders and payment gateways and things like that, where most people, that's where most of their energy goes and they don't really focus on mindset. So that's something that, you know, I really kind of have been paying attention to and I don't wait to get motivated. Like I schedule in meetings with myself to get motivated and to get fired up knowing that that's 80% of the game. Yeah, so yeah, wow. that's, yeah they're, they're, they're some of the challenges and some of the way that I've been able to kind of get over those hurdles and, and kind of, you know, lead me to the position that I am now with my business. So tell me more about, like you said, you schedule in time to get yourself pumped up, man. Like, like what, what, what does that look like? Yeah, well, like, I think that, you know, what you want to do in business and in life in general is, you know, have your, your, your why's so big that your house become easy. And what I mean by that is like, ultimately, like if you're going to make the decision to kind of get up every day at 4.30 or 5am or 6 or whatever time you're going to get up and you're going to bust your ass off and you're going to be away from your wife and away from your kids or away from your loved ones and you're going to be in the trenches kind of building a business, you really need to get clear on why you're doing that. Because when things get tough and they will get tough, you need to have those things that you can look at that are going to kind of keep fuel in that fire and keep you kind of going. And the way that I do that is, you know, I've obviously got you know, vision boards that I look at as the first thing, you know, in the morning that has all the things that I'm aspiring to and, and the kind of life that I'm trying to design and build for myself um, that I kind of look at. And, you know, I'll have meetings scheduled with myself in the morning to kind of look at, you know, reading things or watching videos and listening to certain types of music that gets me in the state where I feel fired up and I'm ready to go. So, you know, when I wake up in the morning and I, I've got this certain, like, I'll, I'll be looking at my vision board and I'll go to the gym and do all these things, it's kind of all to obviously control my state to keep me motivated and to keep me fired up. So it's just like when I wake up and, and my feet hit the ground, I'm like, I am ready to go. Like, let me at him. I'm like a hungry dog on the back of a meat truck um, because I, I've got all those things that I do every day in my life to really kind of keep me really fired up. And as a business owner, you need to do that. You are the captain. You are steering the ship. People are rep reliant on you. Your team members are reliant on you. A lot of them have families. They're reliant on you to, to put food on their plate. And you really need to create an environment for yourself where, you know, you're just moving at full steam and this is all systems go hmm. yeah i love it man so so tell me like about some of the sacrifices that you've had to make to get where you are today Look, success, you have to pay the price at the end of the day. And there are definitely a lot of sacrifices that, that, that come with it. You know, in the beginning, I was probably working 18 hour days. I was selling by day, optimizing and doing the work by night. Um, and, you know, that that's a grind. And then there's a lot of stuff that you have to say no to in order to be able to do that, right? A lot of time, you know, you, you want to be with your buddies, you know, playing basketball or watching a game or watching a UFC fight or whatever it might be. They're things that you don't really have you know the liberty to do when you're kind of all in just absolutely grinding it out and i think that the sacrifices that you make every day as an entrepreneur is like every i am very very conscious that every minute that i'm in my office and i am working that i am away from being with my daughter for instance mm. and so I, I i make a very conscious effort not just to like sit around and be checking emails and doing mindless stuff that isn't having a super profound impact on the business it's not a high leveraged activity um then i'm not doing it it's not high leveraged because i know that they're the sacrifices that I make, you know what I mean? Like not having the mornings with your children or, you know, sacrificing being able to hang out with your buddies, you know, on, on the weekend. So they're all things that I've certainly had to look, look at and certainly things that I've sacrificed, you know, along the way to kind of get where I am. And basically my word of advice is that like it, 
you know, if somebody's telling you that you can achieve great things without hard work, they are either one, blindly naive, or two, they're trying to sell you their solution to do so. Um, and mm. I think that, like, you need to be really conscious that nothing great ever comes without hard work. And just know that, that that's the price that you've got to pay in order to, you know, really achieve that lifestyle that you want. Yeah, that's one thing uh, one of my mentors taught me is uh, it take. he said to me, you know, you have to remember that it takes seven to 10 years to build something of true worth and significance. Yep, I, I couldn't agree more. And in, in, in an age that we're living in right now of social media where it's like everything is instant gratification, like you post an image or you put a video online and you get a whole bunch of likes or people are going on Instagram and looking at people in Lamborghinis and living by the beach, it's kind of – it's easy to get sucked into this mindset that success is an easy thing where it's not. Do you know what I mean? And if you go into it thinking that it's going to be easy, then you'll just fail, crash and burn somewhere along the way. You really need to go in there and manage your own expectations of the kind of amount of work that's required in order to be successful. Um, and it's, it's something that's definitely attainable for everybody. But yeah, you need to put your head down and know, like put your head down for the first four years and don't even come up for air to look where you are and then come up and see where you are and then put it down, you know, for another four years. And then, you know, you're going to be in a position where you've really got something of value. Mm. So do you think because, because I agree, like most people are not prepared to do the work or they're not, they just don't want it bad enough. Do you think that in today's age now, because there is such a low barrier to entry to start any, you know, like, like you said, like it doesn't cost anything to get started to, to start a, you know, a consulting or service-based business and start getting clients. Um, do you think that that makes it like, because it is so easy but at the same time, most people aren't prepared to do the work because of the, you know, the instant gratification society that we live in uh, more than ever with culture. Do you think that makes it easier for people to win or harder? I think it makes it easier for people to win that are willing to do the work. You know, successful people do all the things that unsuccessful people are simply not willing to do. So if you're in a society where people are kind of living like in this kind of fallacy dream that it's they're not going to need to work hard and you're going in there and you've got that work ethic, then you're just going to go and eat all your competition alive. And that's just the one thing that I'm very co conscious of is just having an unrivaled work ethic. Um, I think it's something that I got from being raised by, you know, a single parent mom and seeing my mom work like three jobs um, and then come home and still cook me and my sister a really healthy meal and just always had a smile about her face and just had an unbelievable work ethic is that like, you know, and that's, I think what's ingrained in me. And it's one of the things that I always look at is like, you know, there's a lot of different factors that kind of come into being successful and being a successful entrepreneur. But the only one that you can really control is your work ethic and the amount of work that you put in. And I think that, you know, if you really exercise that muscle and just get it really, really strong, that's something that you can just take into any business and in any market and just crush it. Mm, yeah. I love your analogies, man. Do many people tell you that? Yeah, like I, 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 I do, I do, I do speak with a lot of analogies. I think it comes down to to my copywriting background. It's <laughs> so good, awesome. Oh, well, look, dude, I'm so pumped uh, after speaking with you. I'm super excited uh, that you know we're working with you to to produce this amazing course. It is going to be truly game changing. We're producing this because this is what our community told us they wanted. They wanted to know how to build and grow a successful consulting business or freelance or coaching business or agency. And, you know, what we do at Founders, we go out and we find practitioners and Sabri is a practitioner as you will have, will have heard and, and, and can see like he's a master at this stuff. So I'm so extremely excited to, to continue working with you, man. And, and just, uh, yeah, just producing something so extremely world-class. It's going to help so many people. And, uh, yeah, man, it's it's uh, great to call your friend now. Yeah, fantastic, and you too. I'm super excited. I really think that yeah, this course is going to go out there and change change a lot of people's lives, and it's going to also yeah give you the essentially the proven roadmap that that you need if you're out there and you're kind of selling services or if you want to do it and show you how to do that. So yeah, I'm really excited to get that out there as well. Awesome, man. Well, look, where's the best place people can go if they want to find out more about uh, yourself and King Kong as well? 
Yeah, sure. Look, just go to kingkong.com.au. You know, we've got a free report straight up on our homepage, which is five ways to double sales. You'll get a whole lot of, you know, valuable insight and information there. And if you want to follow me, you can check me out um, on Instagram at Subri Subi. Um, and yeah, that, they're pretty much the two places that you want to go and stalk me. Awesome. Well, man, I will leave you to it, but just I want to say thank you so much for your time today. And uh, yeah, we'll speak soon, brother. Terrific. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.